0: Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And every week we gather around this little table just to share life together. And you know, Rachel, I love, love, love sharing life with you.
1: Aw, good friends make life special.
0: They do. And you know, you're a good friend of us. You know, we know that you're sitting there, maybe in your car, maybe in your living room, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are a friend of Encouragement Cafe. And so we listen when we hear what's troubling you and what's on your heart and what do you want to share. And today, Rachel, we're going to talk about heavenly manna. Now, you know, in Exodus, when God says in chapter 16, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Now, we don't know how he did it, but we know that God knew what they needed and he always knows what we need. Those are the things that sometimes we can't wrap our brain around it because when you think about manna from heaven, it just seems like almost like a fairy tale.
1: It does. It seems like a a movie, you know, a a novel, a fairy tale. God telling his people that he's going to lead them to some sort of amazing place, right? Some sort of land flowing with milk and honey. And that sounds to me, you know, like a fairy tale. You're going to be the princess in the castle. (laughs) Um, and, And he takes them on this journey, which turned out to be in retrospect much longer journey than it was intentionally intended to be it was like a 40 year journey where apparently they were kind of going in circles in this desert for a while before they actually got all the ducks in the proverbial row and got into the promised land but during that whole time like the desert is a harsh place to live water and food is not abundant in the desert and this is where they spent 40 years but they spent 40 years there with God with them never leaving them with them day by day and providing for them, even in the harshest of circumstances, day by day with this bread, this manna that rained down from heaven every morning before sunrise.
0: Isn't that something? I mean, I can't wrap my brain around it, but when I think of why God did this, you know, the the Israelites were whining and they were crying and they were saying, oh, we would have been better off being oppressed And we do it. We do the same thing. And sometimes, you know, we look at the poor Israelites and we're very judgmental. We go, now, why wouldn't they know that God is going to take care of them? Well, look in the mirror. We do the very same thing. We go through hard stuff. We were just talking about that, Rachel. It seems like there are periods in our life when we get smacked down. Mm -hmm. Repeatedly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it feels like what? God, are you are you not paying attention?
1: You know, I was just telling you earlier today that I'm in the season in my life where it seems like about every 2 or 3 months some big crisis happens. Something unexpected and kaboom and and I go back into crisis mode and stress mode and and faith and prayer mode and you know, about the time that things seem to settle down a little bit, kaboom in another area of my life. And so I remember, you know, with the first kaboom, you think, oh, this is terrible compared to what it was before. But you get the the second and the third kaboom and suddenly the first kaboom doesn't <laughs> look so bad anymore. You know, you're like, I had no idea it could get worse. You know, talk about the other shoe dropping. We have an entire closet of shoes dropping. Um, so I think that's sort of the, the mindset where they're like, geez, Manetti, here we are in the desert. We were better off in slavery where we had houses and food and Predictability and knew where we were.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what they were saying. They were they were whining. They were feeling like, oh, my goodness, why didn't we just stay put? Because, you know, change always creates these circumstances that are scary. You just get really afraid when you walk out. And, I mean, they took off into the desert following God saying, yeah, buddy, let's go. We get all excited and we're ready to do it. And then when we get out there, we go, ooh, change is hard.
1: Yeah. The fear of the unknown is super strong. A lot of human behavior is an attempt to reduce uncertainty Mm. um, because the fear of unknown uh, is strong. And it's easy for us to judge the Israelites in that story although we have the same sort of tendencies. I guess in my own judgmental defense, (laughs) (laughs) I would say um, in the midst of all of my kabooms, I don't have bread landing on my house every morning. (laughs) I I was not just ushered through an open sea. So I think it's because we see the amazing miracles in the stories and we're like, how could you have witnessed that? How could you have experienced that and still doubt? But I think that we are just as capable of, incredible doubt in the face of amazing provision because i think we all have amazing provision from god in our lives and yet we sometimes doubt or fear or think he's not
0: going to come through and when we look at the heavenly manna that god was providing for them every day you say why did he do it like that and the bible clearly tells us that it was to test his instruction he was going to ask them to do it a certain way just go out and get enough for the day And bring it in. And he was going to see can you follow that one simple (laughs) rule? And you know, we are so guilty of that. We want the whole enchilada. We don't want just the meat. We don't want just the individual piece that God's giving us at the moment. We want it all. And we want to be in control of our daily provision.
1: Yes, we would prefer to go hunt a large desert buffalo (laughs) that would ensure a week's worth of food um, so that we could relax the the other six days knowing that the food was there. And so I think God was testing us or teaching us um, in this example with the Israelites to trust him daily that we don't get to just sort of lean back and rest on our own laurels and our own confidence in what we have, but that every day there's going to be cause and need to trust God, whether we're in the desert or not.
0: We're talking about the manna that God provided for the Israelites in Exodus, the 16th chapter. So I want to kind of turn this a little bit and say, okay, what is the manna in our life? Every day God is providing for us. Every day he gives us something that he wants to test in us and to say, hey, look, just like I gave the Israelites that one bit of food and told them, I mean, he covered the ground with manna, but he told them, I only want you to pick up enough for the day. So he tests us in the same way. He says, look, there's all kinds of choices out there. Go get up and look at this day in front of you. And you've got your agenda, you've got your to-do list, and God says, okay, I want you to choose wisely and pick the one thing that's the most important to me. And wow, we have manna and provision every day given to us.
1: We do, and I love the verse from the Bible that says his mercy is new every Mm. morning, because that kind of reminds me of the manna, that it's there and it's fresh every morning. Interesting to me, with the manna in the desert, it would not last. After a three or four or so hours after sunrise, it would just sort of melt and disintegrate. Even though it was a hard bread-like substance, it was gone. You physically could not store it up and save it up and then have no need of God for a few days or a few weeks. Every morning you had to be Reliant on on what he provided
0: and being reliant is hard. Deuteronomy 8 two says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. I mean, God could have taken the Israelites straight to the promised land, but he had to find out where their heart was. And would they really be faithful in following his instruction? Wow, that's something that makes me go, Lord, are you in those crisis moments in my life, in the kaboom moments of my life, are you testing me to see how am I going to respond and am I going to just take that one bit of provision today, just exactly what you've given me for this day and learn from it? Humble me so that I can see what it is you're trying to look at in my heart.
1: I think it's not just perhaps a a test to see how we will react. I know that word is used, uh, you know, often, but sometimes I feel like maybe we feel like God is being a little bit capricious if he's testing us to see if we'll get it right or get it wrong. I'm a teacher at a university and I give tests to my students. But my heart in giving those tests is never to see who gets it right and who gets it wrong and, okay, thumbs up to you and thumbs down to you. My desire is always for them to learn Mm. um, and to grow. And at some point I have to have some sort of objective measure of how they're doing and where they are at so that I can know how to tailor instruction from there. And so I think maybe in this, this testing was not just so much to say to prove them Um, faithful or not but to teach them to be more faithful and more reliant the um, scriptures describe them as a stiff-necked people Mm. which is such an interesting phrase and i think it's the i think it was a process of softening their hearts and teaching teaching them how to be one with him
0: well you think about where they came from they came from slavery they came from oppression And we all have been in bondage and chains some time in our life. And I know the years that I was a single mom, I made sure that I had several avenues of income coming in. I made sure that I had food in the pantry. I mean, I needed to know that I could handle anything that might come. And you think about these folks that were in slavery, they probably felt a lot the same way and it's a habit that you have to break as you learn to trust god for the daily provision you have to kind of let go of the control freak in yourself in your own heart and say okay i don't know what tomorrow holds i don't know if there's going to be a kaboom in my life but i do know that god promised he would provide
1: You know, when they were in Egypt, the Egyptians were in control of them Mm. and their lives and their destinies and their safety. So this freedom that was ushered in being led out of that slavery, I think there was also a process there where it's, yes, you are free from that oppression, but you're not necessarily entirely in charge now either. You know, this is your heavenly father. You are my people and I will provide for you.
0: Good point. And, you know, today, as we talk about heavenly manna, how God provided it for the Israelites, we we often forget that God is giving us heavenly manna, and we kind of take it for granted. God gave them what they asked for. In Psalm one hundred five forty, it says, they asked, and he brought them quail. He fed them well with the bread of heaven. But the the point there to me is, they asked. And I think sometimes we just kind of take it for granted that God's going to take care of us. We're his children. We we go to church. We do the right things. We read the Bible. We pray. And we just assume that God's going to take care of us. But he really wants that relationship with us. And he wants us to feel free to ask for things that we need.
1: Yes. Scripture tells us we do not have because we do not ask. And, jesus in the very famous lord's prayer where he is telling his followers this is how you pray in the famous lord's prayer he says towards the very beginning give us this day our daily bread you know he's asking for the daily bread he's asking for the manna he's asking for that day's provision and i think that that's a you know intended to be a daily ask
0: Absolutely. Because he's not
1: asking for this month's provision. <laughs> Give us this year our yearly provision and we'll catch you next <laughs> Easter or next Christmas service, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. So um, so it's a, it's a daily thing.
0: And, you know, th- the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word, you know, he is the bread of life. And so when we relate it like that and we say, Lord, not only do I need the provisions that physically I will need today, but I need you. I need you to be the one that is showing me, letting me have the right heart, letting me hear your voice clearly, taking me to the right passage in scripture so that I can really understand. Because the Bible also says that we will, we will understand if we ask for wisdom, we'll understand what he's trying to do in our life, but we have to ask. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's That's hard to remember, and it's hard to get in the habit of doing, but just like the Israelites had to go out and gather their manna, we have to go out and gather the manna and ask him every day.
1: Yes, that's something that you are terrific at, that rising up early and spending, starting your day in prayer and in quiet time. I'm not the morning person that you are, so that's (laughs) More of a struggle with me, but I look at passages like this and I see that was the clear instruction. That, that man arrived before sunup and you had just a few hours to gather it for that day. So I, I try and do that first thing. That's a struggle for me because I'm not a morning person. Too many times I can just sort of, um, Rick says I wake up over a period of about two hours. <laughs> Now, I'm already out of the bed, but I'm not quite awake. I, I get increasingly awake. And so sometimes he knows, you know, he not to ask me anything in the first hour that I'm up. And that it's questionable to ask me anything in the second hour. I may or may not be able to answer. I may or may not remember. But, um, so, but nonetheless, then I can be guilty of just sort of easing into my day without having stopped and asked for my provision. So I struggle with that. And then what happens is the the kaboom happens. And then I'm like, oh, Lord, I need your provision in this. But I would like to ask for it in advance. Yes. How much would it save me? Uh, maybe some time or some heartache. Or maybe if I had was armed with that passage of scripture or that word from the Lord, when the kaboom happened, I would go, Yep, yeah, saw that coming.
0: And, you know, I, I hear you say I'm good at that, but we all have our moments. Sometimes I feel like I'm racing through it. So I can get on to my to-do list because morning people, they feel like that's their best time of the day. Mm -hmm. So let's get it all done in the morning. And what I found though, when I seriously sit down and have my time in the morning, have my cup of coffee and I sit there in the word, what I found is that the scripture really does soak in. There is something in that passage that I can look at, and it's absolutely highlighted in my, in my eye. I can see that one particular line that he wants me to focus on, and then a lot of times he'll make me dig in deeper to really understand that. I'll go, and I'll research that, and I'll look at the, you know, what came before it, what came after it, what was the context that this was in, and how does that look in my life, and he just he starts digging things up inside me and so then when the day happens I'm already at peace because he's already plowed the ground and he's already prepared me for what's about to happen.
1: Well, I'm like I say I'm working on getting better at doing that in in those early early parts of my day even if I don't feel like I'm fully awake. I always want to feel like I'm fully awake, you know, to to meet with God, but I think my life is absolute evidence that he can work his will, whether I'm even conscious or not. But my one word this year is ahead.
0: Oh. And so part
1: of that is, let's get this done ahead of the kaboom. (laughs) Let's ask
0: now. (laughs) Okay, well, let's just make this clear. You don't have to be fully awake.
1: You don't. Well, yeah, and I learned this when I had young kids, and I was trying to, to, to maintain some semblance of, you know, scripture reading and quiet time, but I had young kids and they, you know, they don't sit still and they don't stop endangering their lives for mommy to have a, you know, 30 minute quiet time. I got to keep my eye on them and they have to be fed and changed and all of that. And I was tired. I was just perpetually mm-hmm. tired for years. um getting up in the middle of the night over and over. But anyway, I kept my Bible on my kitchen table and it just stayed open. And I just, told God, you know, I'm going to read this. I'm not going to worry about whether I even understand it or or remember it I because I, I was struggling with that. And I'm like, I'm just going to trust that all I have to do is be obedient to come up, come here and show up and input some of this into my heart and my mind and trust that where it says that your word will not return unto you void. You're going to make it active and alive, even if my brain is sort (laughs) bypassed in the whole thing, which at the moment it needed to be, you know. But I came out of that stage and was able to get back into more mindful Bible study. But, yeah, I went through some periods where I just felt like I was like, I don't even have to be awake for this. I don't have to. I'm just going to be obedient to show up and let God do whatever he will.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that's what I don't want anyone to feel is, guilty or shamed into doing anything because honestly when the israelites went out to get that manna they had to be like wow wow we're not hungry we went out and got quail now we have meat i mean god provided and when we get up and we do that it's not out of guilt or shame that we do it we get up and we go lord I always feel better after I've spent a little time with you. And I need, to, I need to get in that cycle and that habit of doing it. But you know, Deuteronomy 8.16 says something about this whole manna thing. It says, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You know, I think God was always wondering and encouraging his children to remember and thank him. I mean, no one before them had ever experienced that. And would they remember and tell their children and their children's children? And sometimes, Rachel, I know you are better at this than I am. You journal And I believe that because you do, your children will know things about you and your walk with God and their children's children will know that better and they'll be able to look and go, whoa, grandma did that. Great grandma did that. So I can do this because the same God is there for me.
1: Yes, that is assuming that I don't insist that I be buried with them. <laughs> <laughs> for, for fear of what they might learn about grandma. <laughs> but, but yes, I mean, that is, that is my hope. And that is also for, for my children and my family and, you know, my namesake. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also just for anybody and everybody that I encounter in, in life, that I that I am able to recall writing that down and, and, and then going back and looking through and being reminded, um, you know, having those records helps me to be ready when I encounter someone who is in their kaboom moment or wherever they might be to, to be able to say, you know what, I was in something kind of similar to this. This is how God showed up. This mm-hmm. is how he took care of it, you know.
0: And it also helps us to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I look at what you've done in my life. I look at how you've given me daily provision, time after time. And I've seen you be faithful. And so help me to let the girls that are sitting here at the table with us today understand that you are going to be faithful. You are trustworthy. And so let our lives reflect that
1: and i think god wants us to remember that and that's part of the lesson in the manna um god told moses to save a a jar of the manna so that future generations could see and know and that god provided for his people and this was um this this manna was meant to be put into the ark of the covenant Mm. um which you know sat there you know with with god's people it was a symbol of of his dwellingness with them so yeah he wants us to remember this look i provide daily
0: so i guess the lessons that we've learned from taking a look at heavenly manna today is that the israelites whined and and complained and and there were moments that they felt like oh i wish it was the way it used to be and sometimes we're guilty of looking in the rearview mirror But God says, no, I'm not going to give you everything. I'm going to give you just enough for today. So those are the lessons, the big lessons. And then to recognize his provision. Sometimes we take it for granted and we don't really pay attention to Rachel. Like, I know you were on the highway in the rain and there were wrecks around, but God kept his hand on you protected you because we prayed Mm -hmm. that God would take care of you on the way here and you have that provision from him today Mm -hmm. so those are the things that I want to always remember I want to always share and I want to always tell others that God is trustworthy he is good and may the God of hope give you courage to encourage others because someone's going to need to hear your story of provision. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at EncouragementCafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.